Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Frontline. So for those of you who are new, you probably wouldn't know this, but Mariah and I, my wife, uh, we got some big news. So October 14th, we would have our first baby born. So we got a picture right here. So obviously you can see me in the top right there wearing a top dad shirt. That'll make sense here in a minute. Uh, There's my wife, Mariah, and there's our baby Maverick. Um, and so when you're a pastor, especially when you and your wife are both pastors, uh, when, when you ask them, what do you think we're going to name our, our son? They rattle off the Bible. They rattle the Bible off and we're like, uh, nope, he's Maverick because Top Gun, no spiritual significance to his name at all. We just really like the movie. And, uh, if you're a school teacher and he ends up in your class, I apologize in advance. Um, but man, I'll tell you what, when we got to the hospital, Um, you know, Mariah, she would end up having a C-section and there was a bunch of things that we didn't plan for in a couple moments where, you know, it's like, is he going to be okay? Things like that. Um, and so we were both exhausted, um, a little bit afraid. And and finally they said, Hey, we're going to have to have a C-section birth here. And, um, the disappointing thing was, was Mariah was under anesthesia and I wasn't able to be in the room. So, you know, as your firstborn, you're like, man, that's such a bummer. Um, but I'll tell you what, the moment I had him in my arms, it's like time didn't matter anymore. It's like everything that preceded that, all I could think about is this is so precious and you can't prepare for that. And I just remember I was holding them and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm in a room by myself holding them. And, and all I could think was, man, I just want to pray over him. And I started to pray, I said, God, I hope he grows up to know who you are. Jesus, I hope he grows up to know that you're Lord of his life. And I know I didn't have to pray that God loved him. I already know that, but I want him to know Jesus. And just because I'm a pastor, my wife's a pastor, that doesn't get him off the hook for eternal security with Jesus. He needs to know that for himself. And so that was my prayer. And for those of you who've been here, uh, you know we're in a series called Zero Lost. And for, for those who are new, obviously that's insider language. So let me just explain what that is. Zero Lost is this mission we're on that we as people who love Jesus are sharing the gospel in our neighborhoods, our communities, our workspaces, so that there wouldn't be anyone that wouldn't know the good news of Jesus Christ. So when we say zero lost, that's what we mean. And if I'm honest, sometimes I forget how much power and weight the gospel message actually carries. And if you're anything like me, maybe you have some people in your life uh, that are far from God or don't know God, um, and, and, and you have this thought in your head, I know I have this, of, of God, this person will never come to know you. They're so lost. They'll never come to know you. They, they've done too much bad. I've known them my whole life, and God, I, just, I, I think you can save most people, but I don't know about this person. And if I'm honest... I've had those thoughts, but man, I think there's something that Jesus wants to actually communicate to us today. 
And we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be in the book of Acts 10, and so I want to paint the context that I think Jesus has a message uh, for us that both know Him and then those who don't. And in Acts 10, uh, we're gonna be talking about two different people. The first one uh, is Cornelius, so he's a Gentile uh, soldier. He would have been a military commander, and then the second is Peter, uh, who would have been a disciple of Jesus. And so these are the two people uh, we're gonna be talking about today. And God is gonna speak to both of them separately, um, and he's going to try to bring them back together later in the story. And you'll see in a minute here that that's a very interesting way for God to start to communicate. So like I said, Cornelius, uh, he's a Roman centurion. And uh, so he's praying because uh, what the text says is that he feared God and so did his family. So he's praying, he's praying out to God. And uh, Cornelius gets this vision of an angel that says, hey, I want you to send for Simon Peter. And I want you to send men to go get him to bring him to your house. So, so God speaks and Cornelius, he has no idea why. He has no idea why God is speaking um, and why he's sending for Cornelius, but he's just obedient, so he does it. And so the next day, uh, Peter, he's now praying. And the text says that he goes into what's called a trance or, or a vision, and what he sees is he sees this white blanket with a bunch of animals lowered down to the ground. And uh, when it lowers, what, what God says is Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, because he thinks he knows more than God, says, surely not, Lord. I will never eat what's unclean. And then God so graciously responds, don't call what's unclean that I've made pure. And he's not talking about animals. That's not the part. He's speaking something deeper. But Peter right now, he has no idea uh, what God is actually saying. So God has spoken to two different people. Neither of them have any idea what the visions means. And we pick up the story with uh, the men Cornelius, who uh, the men Cornelius sent to Peter finally arrives. So now Peter's going with the family or with the soldiers to meet the family, and he gets to Cornelius's house. And Cornelius and his whole Gentile family would have been here at this moment. And here's the first words out of Peter's mouth when he arrives to this family. This is what he says: "You know that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. How's that for a welcome?" Um, and that's the first things out of his mouth. And to give you some context of what would have been happening between the Jewish people and Gentile people is there was some animosity. And so as I was studying, there was a guy by William Barclay. Uh, he, he basically explains the tension of these two groups. This is what he says. It was common for a Jewish man to begin the day with a prayer thanking God that he was not a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. There was people who would have thought, thanked God for that. And then on the Gentile side, this is what they would have thought. Gentiles despised Jews as weird traditionalists and believed that they were evil plotters who worshiped pigs. After all, they thought Jews refused to eat pork, so they must worship pigs. So at best, you laugh, right? So there's some very stark feelings and emotions tied between these two groups of people. And I would say at best, uh, Jews and Gentiles really just tried to stay away from each other, but at worst, they hated each other. And so what we see is God's communicating to two different people and his desire is to bring them together. So why would God bring two different groups of people like that? Why would God go out of his way for people that really hate each other or just don't agree or their laws say different things? Why would he try to do that? So that takes us into Acts 10, uh, 34 through 38. You can follow along on the screen. 
So again, Peter has just arrived, Cornelius is there, his family's there, and Peter begins to just uh, explain and put the pieces together. This is what it says. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so right now what we see is is Peter's heart is literally shifting and changing in the moment. He doesn't have time to process this. Right now he's saying, he's saying, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And so Peter's sitting here thinking, a group of people that I discounted, ignored, uh, had laws around to stay away from, all of a sudden all I think Peter could think was, there's so many things, so many divisions and differences that we hold that at the end of the day just don't matter. And for something for Peter to hold so near and dear to his heart and for God to unravel that in him in the moment, all he could have thought was, man, I'm dying on these hills that God really doesn't even care about. And that brings us to our main point here of what I think God is trying to communicate between these two, and it's this. There's one division among us that matters most. Those who believe in Jesus and those who do not. So I wanna share a bit of a story to explain this idea. Uh, so growing up, I grew up in the Catholic Church, uh, and despite great leaders and great people, I'll just say this, I hated church. Uh, my ultimatum was, you're grounded if you don't go to church, so I went to church. I was, I was, a, good, I was a good son. Um, and the deal with this is, is, as I was growing up in the Catholic Church, I was going through catechism and I was making my first confirmation in eighth grade. And the only reason I was excited uh, to go was because it was the last year of catechism. That's the only reason I was like, all right, I'll just get this over with. Um, And so I I started my first day and there was a group of us and basically they said, all right, there's too big of a group of you guys. So we're going to split you between two teachers. So teacher number one, Super fun guy. Uh, he had a reputation for not really taking things too seriously and uh, wanted to throw parties and, and have desserts all the time. So th- I, that was the one I wanted. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't care about anything. So I was like, yes, I want that one. And then there was another teacher uh, who, again, this isn't my words, I'm just the messenger, uh, who was called Mustache Lady. Um, so <laughs> She may or may not have had a mustache. I won't insert my opinion there. But nonetheless, she was called Mustache Lady. And she was an older lady, and she, she had a reputation for being super hard, uh, kind of mean, uh, strict. And so when we were in that, uh, when I started my first day, I was like, yep, I, I, I already hate this. This is much worse. I ended up with Mustache Lady. God, you hate me. Um, and so I already have, you know, my heart's closed off. I'm not open to this at all. And so I get in there, and eventually over a couple times where we met, something changed that I didn't expect. There was something different happening that my heart wasn't prepared for. And so she started to talk about the gospel in a way that I had never heard it before. And now as an eighth grader, I had a very small understanding of, of even what the Bible was, the gospel. I could maybe name two characters. And she started to talk about the Bible, not as just this historical book, which it is, about this relational dynamic of who Jesus was. 
And she started to talk about Jesus and how he died for our sins. And because of that, we can be raised in new life with him. And that's a relationship. It's not just information that we have. And so now I'm, I'm leaning at the edge of my seat and I'm like, all right, she's kind of got me now. Most of this lady, she's on a roll. And so she's got my attention. And then she starts to go a little bit further and she talks about the power of prayer. And my concept of prayer as an eighth grader was like, yeah, if I have a bad day, I'll pray and, and hopefully God hears it. And she said, no, 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 prayer, when you pray to God, he hears you all the way up in his throne. And he's the king of kings, but he'll listen to the eighth grader crying out to him and he'll actually move on your behalf. And he's a God that wants to connect with you. And I gotta be honest, I wasn't expecting that. As somebody who was so closed off, the power of the gospel got my attention. And it came from somebody I totally discredited. Didn't care much for. And what I started to realize in the moment was that she had a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, and I did not. And Peter was just like my catechism teacher. On fire for the Lord, would share the gospel any chance he got, was faithfully sharing the good news of Jesus with whoever was in front of him. And so as we continue in Acts 10, 39 through 43, I want, I want to remind us, Peter just got done telling uh, Cornelius and his Gentile family that God does not pick favorites. So he's reframing it. And then he goes in to talk about the most important part of the story. So here's what it says in uh, Acts 10, 39 through 43. We are witnesses of everything he, he is Jesus, did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so I think there's a group of us in the room that is just like Peter. And right now what we see is Peter's faithfully sharing the gospel. Um, but what was different here is Peter never wanted to share the gospel with the Gentiles. He's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not doing that. We have laws against those people. And here we see J uh, Peter faithfully sharing the good news of Jesus. And I think there's a group of us in the room that have a relationship with Jesus that I think maybe God is calling us into deeper water. Maybe he's calling us to go to places we had never considered before. And honestly, I, I've really sat with this and I've wrestled with this. Uh, I always worry that as a church, that somehow we communicate uh, that bringing lost people to church is more important than going to lost people and sharing the gospel in their area. And don't get me wrong, invite people to church. God wants it. But I wonder if God, if some of us, if our hearts close off to this idea that, man, the only way we might reach a lost person in our context, our neighborhood, our workplace, is that we faithfully engage them and share the good news of Jesus. And we see that play out in the story. God wasn't asking Cornelius to go to Peter, right? He wasn't asking the lost to go to the saved. He was asking Peter, the saved, to go to the lost and go out of his way to pursue him. And so what I, wanna, what I wanna say is, I think 
each of us are perfectly positioned in our current context to be faithful witnesses of the gospel and sharing that with people. And so what I wanna do is, if you're comfortable, just extending your hands. And I think God has, has put all of us in a unique space. And I just wanna pray that God would start to open your eyes, maybe to opportunities. So if you can just extend your hands. So Lord, um, what I just pray right now, I just pray that those people that are in our lives, God, that maybe we've dismissed, maybe we haven't even considered, that they, maybe they're so lost and, we, and, and it's hard to understand them because they're lost. But God, you've equipped us with new life of the gospel. And what I pray right now is that those in the room, that you would give them new eyes to see and bring people to know you, lost people to know you. So God, we thank you for this. God, just commission us. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would bring people to mind, even right now, that we would faithfully share the gospel with. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And I think there's a, another group of us in the room, uh, just like Cornelius. And maybe you've been interested in faith for a long time. Um, and Peter shared uh, Jesus with Cornelius uh, because he knew the father, but he didn't know the son. Cornelius had this concept of who the father was, but he needed to know more about the son. In John 14, six through seven, it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There's only one division among us that matters most. Those that believe in Jesus and those that do not. And I saw a quote recently uh, that basically said, um, to try to, to come to Jesus uh, at, before you fixed your life up would be equivalent to going to the hospital after you're healed, right? Of course we wouldn't do that. And so I want for those of you who feel lost to know this, look what happens when Cornelius and his family believed in the message Peter shared. Here's what it says in Acts 10, 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And what I want you to know in the room, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, God's not okay with you staying that way, not because he picks favorites, not because he's judgmental, but because God loves you too much to see you live out a lie. And I'm the first one to admit, I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to chase things, to be addicted, to find myself in, in unfavorable situations. And I told you when I was eighth grade, there would be some time that would go by and I actually wouldn't accept Jesus until 19. And so what happened is at the time I was dating a girl and we were talking about relationship and we were, um, we were talking about breaking up, but I didn't want to. I felt like, no, like I need, I need her in my life. Like she's kind of my rock. And what I felt like, I can't explain this because I had been seeking God for a long time. I just never gave my life to him. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, you, you have to end this relationship if you wanna move forward with me. So we broke up, she left. I went back downstairs and I had alcohol. I had all this stuff, all this bondage stuff that I was pursuing all these addictive things. And I put them in a bag and I threw it out in the trash. And I remember saying this out loud, I was by myself. I said, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm gonna give you all of my heart. 
I'm gonna go for it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just feel like if there's an answer to life, this is it. And my opinion is this, I think some of the most broken people become some of the strongest disciples. God doesn't pick favorites, but he does extend favor. He extends favor for each one of us so that we can do what's impossible for us to do on our own. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you into a relationship like that. And for those of you, there's no prerequisites to giving your life to Christ. You can be addicted, you can be broken, you can be just as you are and still make that decision. The only thing Jesus asks of us is to repent. Repent of our sin, repent of doing life on our own, and to just believe the message that Peter shared, that Jesus died for your sins and that you're raised in new life with him. Repent and believe. And so if you wanna extend your hands, everybody can extend them. I believe that there's some people either online or in the room that maybe God's cultivating something and maybe you wanna make a decision for him. So, so Holy Spirit, we just invite you. God, that there's some people in the room that they feel like all the weight of their life is on their shoulders. I remember what that was like. And God, you're just inviting us to believe something different. That as we believe in you, Jesus, the son of Christ, that you take the burden off and that you lead our life. And so God, I just pray that hearts right now that maybe have been on the fence, God, that your spirit would draw them in and they would make a decision for you. And all God's people said, amen. And so what you'll see, you'll see that card on your seat. If you made a decision for Christ, you can fill that out. I'll explain what to do here in a minute with that. Um, but what's awesome about how this story ends is Cornelius and his family had an opportunity to be obedient immediately. So here's what Acts 10, 44 through 46 says. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. And David mentioned it, baptism doesn't save you. It's an outward symbol of dying to your sin and being alive uh, and raised in new life in Christ. And it's a, it's a decision, it's an obedient moment. So whether you just gave your life to Christ 10 seconds ago, or you gave your life to Christ four years ago, the opportunity and the invitation we have today is to take an obedient step in baptism. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.